0: Shut up, and sit down. What's up, guys? It's the Quiet Part Loud podcast. Welcome back. Or, if it's your first time, welcome. Thank you for choosing the show. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. And thanks for pressing play. Uh, My name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing, if you didn't know, and uh, we're on episode 114. I can't believe that's happening, but we keep pressing forward despite the schedule being sort of all over the place in the past few weeks, you know, for a variety of different reasons, which I won't bore you with. uh, Things have been a bit sporadic and inconsistent, but we're really trying to laser in on hitting that schedule, hitting those marks every week and uh, continue to strive to do better. But it doesn't seem to really matter because the engagement's been been pretty good. It's been pretty consistent. I wouldn't say that we're you know we're growing at the rate that I'm that I would hope, but that's on me. So uh, for those of you that do tune in every week, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And speaking of that kind of sporadic, and uh, kind of inconsistent delivery, some of the things that we've talked about over the past couple of episodes have really centered around you know, the news and the views of the week and what have we missed since we last recorded a show and, you know, that kind of takes us from one subject to another and we talk politics and we talk social stuff and we talk sports and all of this different stuff and I've kind of dabbled with playing on one subject for a specific episode so we can delve in a little bit deeper, analyze it a little bit more thorough um, and just hopefully produce a, a tighter product you know i'm i'm experimenting here it's a one man show i do it from my living room i do it because i love it i do it to hopefully reach some people and make them think about things in a different way but i think there's also a level of introspection that needs to be delivered on the show a level of analysis that perhaps has been missing on certainly the the more recent shows and i want to get back to that because i like the nuance the nuance of the of the subject matter and the you know the nuance of interaction that's that's the meat for me that's the stuff i like to get my teeth into it's not brushing over subjects like some news headline show so i think in light of this week being anti-bullying week i don't know how these weeks specifically get allocated it seems like there's a day or a week for every single cause out there. I I believe National Avocado Appreciation Day was just a couple of weeks ago, Um, you know, and I think next week we've got, you know, pay homage to your fucking bath towel day or something, you know, I, I, they just, they seem to make it up for whatever they want to celebrate rather than just appreciating something on the day. But with things like Mental Health Awareness Week and Anti-Bullying Week, I think there's, there's more gravity to those weeks. They they have a little bit more impact. There's more of an issue with some of those things, and and I thought it'd be worth kind of diving into bullying a little bit today, because I think everybody's dealt with bullying in some way, shape, or form. I know I have. I've been on both the uh, handing out and receiving end of bullying uh, throughout my life, and and I, and I can tell you, I can I can lend some experience to both sides of that, and. You know, how that manifested. And when I grew up, it was, it was different. It was different. I'm not saying, you know, back in my day, it was totally different. We had to walk seven miles and carry our homework in a wheelbarrow in a foot of snow. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when I went to school in the 90s, bullying happened in a different way. Bullying happened in your face. And that was effectively it right you went to school if you were getting bullied you went to school you got bullied or you got bullied uh in social situations but then you went home closed the door and it was effectively over until the next day right if you were one of the poor bastards that was subject to you know a daily ritual of bullying in 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 elementary school and primary school and high school and you know however however you experienced it but i was bullied I remember being bullied for the first time that I can recall. I was bullied in elementary school. I think I was, I think I was seven that I recall. And I'm sure it must've happened before then. I just, I don't know if I can recall it off the top of my head, but I remember going to the toilet in school and a guy pulling my, coming up from behind me and pantsing me. Now this is kind of ritualistic, right? Um, But for a kid who doesn't know anybody, who's new to a country, who speaks completely different to everybody else in school, looks somewhat different to everybody else in school, certainly acts different than everyone else in school, this this was a little bit of a difficult thing for me. I also didn't grow up with any older siblings and I didn't grow up with any male influence that could be relied upon in my house. And I think this caused me a little bit of adjustment difficulty because I never responded well to bullying. Um, It it always caused me to sort of lash out and as a consequence became one. I kind of tried to flip the script because when I was very young And I'm not saying it's gone away, but when I was, when I came from England to, when I went from England to Canada, I was about three years ahead in my education. So when all the kids were learning, just starting to learn multiplication and division tables and things like that, fractions, I was already well past it. So things like math and English and subjects like this were very, very easy for me and as a consequence of some of these negative things happening to me and the workload in school being, you know, very easy for me, I started to turn my behavior outwards in, in an aggressive and disruptive way. So over a period of time, I just started being very abrasive as a seven-year-old. Picking on kids, pushing kids, wanting to fight kids, you know. Really, really just outward. I was just acting out. I was in a very... I'd come from an abusive household. That's why we left. One of the reasons why we left England in the first place to come to Canada. So it's not like I was landing with a great headspace or a great foundation underneath me it was a, you know, sort of a tumultuous time. My, my mom, we didn't have any money. We were about as poor as you could be. We were living with my grandparents. My mom was working in a diner. So, you know, I didn't have the things that perhaps other kids had. I didn't have the same sort of upbringing that other kids had. And it, it kind of put me on the outside and, and in order to close that gap, I thought, Using physical violence and destructive, disruptive behavior would get me the attention that I wanted, but it didn't. It got me alienated even further. It made me a target of collective bullying because I was on my own. And I remember shortly after getting pantsed in the toilet, there was a school trip to one of the, I guess, quote-unquote, richer girls, uh, kind of rich girl, uh, to her house, who she had a huge house and she had a pool and, you know, she was part of the community. And and so we went to her house for, uh, for like a barbecue thing, like a swim in the pool and a barbecue thing, right? And again, coming, being brand new, from another country, different ways of doing things. I showed up in what I thought was a normal swimming suit, a swimsuit, uh, uh, you know? Um, But my my normal swimsuit was Speedos. It wasn't swimming shorts. It wasn't board shorts like the rest of the kids in my class were wearing. It was a pair of underwear, skin tight, bright blue underwear, and I was ridiculed for this. God, the whole entire day. I think I ended up crying that night. Uh, it was it was brutal, and I I said, "Mom, why did you make me go there? And why did you make me wear those things?" I think I I think I mentioned something to her about it before I had to go. Um, but it was, you know, going out randomly and buying me a new pair of shorts was just not an option. It was just not an option. So I suffered another humiliating encounter with my, my peers as a new kid in a new school from a, from a foreign country. And this just fueled me to turn the tables back and become even more aggressive with my own bullying, outwardly, where I could find, you know, targets and easy pickings and, you know, things like this. So one affected the other. And I don't know if, without one, I would have manifested the other. But this, they had to put me on a program, a behavioral program, because I just wouldn't stop. I was such an angry little kid. I was the, I was the sad clown, right? I was a sad clown at seven years old. I'd come out of a, an abusive household, an abusive situation in in England where my sister's father was threatening to kill my mom and, you know, threatening to damage me and so on and so forth. I'm sure plenty of people out there have had this experience. But it was vastly traumatic for everybody and we we didn't leave, we ran away. And so... I'd already dealt with bullying in the form of physical abuse from a an older man and now I was getting it from the boys in my class as well. I'd left one terrible situation. This was supposed to be a good one and it wasn't. And I think I just rejected the whole premise of, of trying to be a nice kid and just went into the outburst phase of whatever, you know, development I was going through. I don't fucking know. Um... But it was, it was traumatic, it was traumatic and it lasted for some time, like a good year at least and you know the year between 7 and 8 is a pretty important year, especially when all of these unknowns and all of these changes are taking place. So, following on from that, I found martial arts. Kickboxing, specifically. And I started to attend kickboxing classes. Because they thought this was an aggression problem just because I had too much energy. Nobody wanted to address, you know, the wider issues here. Nobody wanted to talk about that. It was Daryl's hyperactive. We needed him to blow out some steam. um, And if he blows out some steam, Then this bullying behavior will likely cease to exist. So I started kickboxing, and for a while it did channel my energy elsewhere. Mainly because there's a strict code of conduct that says if you take anything out of the training room into the schools and use it on normal people, you are no longer allowed. You're banned. You're barred. They don't want anything to do with you. Reputationally, they can't have it, it's a liability. And you can't have kids who are learning to kick properly, going around kicking kids who don't know anything about self-defense. So rather than fixing the problem, they put, me into, they put me into martial arts to try to expend some energy. Well, as I said, it worked for a minute, but it didn't work because the problem at the root was not actually being addressed. So what happened? The first time I got into an argument with somebody in school, I kicked him in the face and got kicked out of class. Shortly after, we were at recess. I remember it vividly. Kids stole our tennis ball. Where we were playing a game at recess. I got into a fight. I kicked him in the face. I got suspended for that one. I also got kicked out. So this continued this behavior of bullying for some time. And I remember even all the way up to like grade 8 when we went on our end of year trip camping. I piled on with a couple of other kids and bullied this this kid in our class in front of in front of tens of people, right? Like you're sitting around this camp what do you want to call it like cafeteria with these long benches and these long tables that sit 20, 30 kids at each and we take all of our breakfast cereal and eggs and bacon and pancakes and syrup and everything you can imagine and we throw it on this kid's plate and we start to threaten him and we start to say you're not leaving here until you eat every single mouthful on that plate and In our heads, we weren't bullying him. In our heads, we were joking, right? We were being stupid fucking kids who were trying to show off and act like cool tough guys, right? That's what it was. Well, this kid broke down into tears and could not be consoled because he was going to eat all the food. We ruined this kid's week on this single event that probably happened on day two of five. And, you know, we're reprimanded and told to sit at each corner of the field and we can't take part in the day's activities. But it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. And more importantly, it didn't do anything for that kid whose day was ruined. Yeah, he got to go and take part, but he was humiliated in front of all kinds of kids that he knew and strangers that he didn't. And you know, we're, what, 13 at this time? So what the fuck do we know, right? But bullying, man, this kid brought this up to me like 10 years later. And he said, do you know I still remember how I felt that day? And that fucked me up 10 years later. That really, really got to me. You know, and at that point, you're you're done high school and you're in the real world now and you understand that, you know, bullying has no has no lifespan. There's no, there's no point to it. It doesn't get you anywhere. But what it does, even what may seem benign at the time, can have these lasting impressions on people. I know my bully, my experience of being bullied by my stepfather and by kids had a negative effect on me. It made me lash out. It made me aggressive. It made me defensive. And it probably still resides in me somewhat today. I wrestle with the fact that, you know, I'm an aggressive personality. I've always had to stick up for myself. I've been, you know, the man of the house, quote unquote, since I was about eight years old. And that's come with its own trials and tribulations. But bullying specifically, bullying specifically started for me... As a recipient, you know, of bullying, that probably started around the age of four when I got beat up for the first time uh, by my stepdad and continued until we left England when I was seven, almost eight. These are my developmental periods and I try every day to keep myself in check to a point where I don't lash out, I don't overreact. But it's funny that people they that don't know you right they don't know your history they don't know the the details and the nuance and the and, and all of the subtext that is your life that's made you to made you up to the person that you are at that moment when they meet you and they don't know what kind of baggage you carry or you don't know what kind of baggage someone else carries and bullying can have a really volatile effect on people right it can make them recede within themselves and become more depressed and reclusive you know leading them down a route of suicidal tendencies or it can it can have the opposite right it's the fight or flight type of reaction that's in human DNA some people fight and can lash out and can be bullied to the point of breaking and we hear about cases like you know the columbine shootings and how those kids were ridiculed and who knows what to what extent that's true but you know we we understand these concepts of if you push something too far if you apply too much pressure over and over again something will break and if what breaks is a human spirit you don't know what the reaction is going to be like And I've done my part in leaving bad impressions on people. I remember picking on a kid in high school because he had short shorts. We fucking nicknamed him short shorts and we used to ridicule, ridicule this poor kid just because they were the only shorts he could afford. And this is me coming from a place where only a few years ago, I was being ridiculed because of the shorts I was wearing at this pool party in elementary school. And now, what, four years later, I'm doing the same thing back to a kid? Just, it manifests itself. It stays with you. It's a dirty, dirty, little, clingy, fucking parasite that just stays with you. And it can it can creep up, man. But bullying, bullying's for the birds. Bullying is... Bullying is just, I mean, bullying is part of life, for sure, but there are different levels to it, and banter and playful banter and, you know, kind of razzing each other and all that shit, that's fucking great, that's fine. But if you're picking on a kid who's broken, or a kid who's already alienated, or a kid who looks a little fragile or is vulnerable, man, you just don't know. And, you know, as undeveloped animals that we are as, as children, we're not able to make that assessment. We're just going off of instinct. We're running off of pure instinct. Whatever's running through our veins is what we're doing. There's no thought process. When you're a 13-year-old boy, you're barely even a fucking person. More closely aligned with an animal. So intervention is certainly needed you know, by authority figures and 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 such. But also the practice of resiliency is so critical to overcoming hardships, especially things like bullying, which is almost a natural part of you know socialization as a young man. But if you've already got a broken vessel and then you start to pile on this kind of, you know, this tribal initiation which is bullying. You're gonna break a you're gonna break that spirit, maybe never to be recovered again. And that's a dangerous thing. So, yes, we should teach our kids not to bully, but we shouldn't teach them to be snowflakes either. We should teach them to be resilient, to understand what the bullying is doing, to be aware of you know, aware of signs that the bullying's gone too far. It's becoming dangerous and detrimental. We need these teachings that come from home and from school so that kids understand that this is a part of life and it's nothing that's going to, you know, it's the whole sticks and stones, right? But words will never hurt me. Well, sometimes they do unless we teach our kids how to overcome the fact that words delivered in a hateful way or a mean-spirited way or in a way that signifies you're being bullied, <clears throat> that's coming from that, own, that person's own pain. That's generally coming from the problems that the person delivering the bullying is going through themselves. I know it from experience because when I bullied people, it wasn't because I hated them. It was because I was fucking mad at myself and I was upset at my own situation and I was confused and I didn't know how to channel my 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 anger and my feelings and I couldn't talk about them and I didn't have anybody asking me about them. There were no outlets. There were no communication points there for me to say, I'm being bullied at school. I don't know what to do. I'm really sad that, you know, for the last five years I've been smacked around with a fucking belt every other day because my alcoholic stepfather doesn't know how to deal with his own problems. There's residue and residual damage that's done. And if we don't treat and deal with the coping mechanisms that children need to be equipped with from the jump, then we set ourselves up for these vulnerable flashpoints, which can lead to some really detrimental outcomes like suicide or like extreme violence. So when I started doing martial arts that was a great that was a great thing to take my attention away from some of that behavior but ultimately it didn't cure it it didn't stop it and I lost that privilege to to train where I was training because of that And again it just boils down to the fact that I wasn't dealing with the problem I was just covering it up right there's no point Putting a band-aid on a bullet wound. Because it doesn't do anything. It might make the appearance of that wound go away very, very briefly. But the problem, the blood, is going to leak through. It's going to seep out and you're going to have to face at some point in time. The realization that you have not done anything to solve the issues that are truly affecting you. So if parents and teachers can... Help children with coping and listening and understanding that the world is not a nerfed environment. It's not, you know, it's not marshmallow streets and rainbows and candy canes. And there are things to look out for, to be aware of. But they are not the be-all and end-all to your existence. And if you deal with them the right way, you can overcome what is ultimately a very small blip in your life. But if you don't deal with it, and if we don't teach our children how to deal with it, then those blips will become much more prolonged and sustained squeals that resonate inside of our psyche for years and years, decades. So it's super important that we're dealing with these things in the right way. Especially now. Especially now because now we're in a new, we're in a new phase, right? We're, we're dealing with online bullying. And as I said at the beginning, when, when I bullied somebody or when somebody bullied me, it was over when the bell rang unless they wanted to try to have a fight after school or something like that or they followed you home. But once you closed that door behind you, they couldn't get to you. But that's just not the case now. Now it can literally be 24-7, 365 days a year of an onslaught. And not just by one person or two people or three people, but by 20 people and 30 people because of social media, because of our ignorant use of technology, our lack of understanding about how gang mentalities perpetuate themselves digitally and how we like that we like to be a part of a group if there's any slight alignment that we can latch onto to further ourselves or make ourselves feel better even at the detriment of somebody else we will do it this is social media these are echo chambers this is tribalism this is still eat this is still dog eat dog But now there's no let up. And that mental exhaustion that must be caused by the just ongoing barrage of negativity for kids that are being bullied these days. I don't know how they deal with it. If I'm being completely honest. They can't switch off because they're already addicted They're the first, you know, generation that's, you know, basically born on the internet. So putting their devices down is almost an impossibility. Their connections through social media, you know, online chat and messaging and, you know, things like that. This is everything to them. This is where they live. They cannot escape it. And they get it from every single angle, non-stop. They leave school. They get it at home. They try to do their homework. Bing, bing, bing. Notification, notification, notification. DM, DM, DM. You cunt. You negative bitch. You know, I fucking hate you. You're a piece of shit. You're fat. Look at your hair. Look at your clothes. You smell. You know, and, and these are minor, just like the things I'm coming up with off the top of my head, which are, you know, the most benign type of insults. But when it ranges up to the fact that, oh my God, that's what you thought was fashionable, why don't you just kill yourself? Impressionable kids will act on these things if they wear and bear on them too long. And so bullying is something that I feel is intrinsically linked to socialization. But the caliber of it is on a whole new level. And dealing with it needs to be taken very very seriously and we need to make ourselves available for any of these kids that may want to talk about anything because it is you don't it's funny right because I, I didn't see it I don't know if this is any if this is a regular thing for people but I didn't realize that I was becoming out of date with what the kids were doing until I was well and truly out of date with what the kids were doing. Right? And you don't know. You don't see it happening. It's just one day you're, you're, you're kind of attached to all the touch points. And then seemingly overnight you're not. And you're completely out of the loop. So there is a whole other world that these, these kids exist in. And you have to do your best to try to get some sort of a connection to that world. And I don't mean snooping and I don't mean spying. I mean having a transactional, very, not transactional, transparent, open relationship with your children. Or any youngsters that you may have an effect over in your life. It's it's so critical. It's so critical. And I just feel that with our lack of attention spans with our preoccupation with tiny screens and networks that don't mean or facilitate anything good in our lives, we're losing the ability to empathize with anybody because we're being desensitized to almost everything because of these same functionalities and these same platforms and these same arenas that we spend so much of our time in. If you go on Twitter for half an hour, you would think that bullying is the recipe of the day in terms of all human interaction. If you watch the news for 10 minutes, you'll think that bullying and divisiveness and calling names and attacking personalities, and you would think that that is the order of the day. So I think we need to set a whole... A whole load of better examples for these young kids, man. And whether they listen or not is to be determined, but we can still lead by example. And something switched for me. I don't know when it was. I don't know when it was. But maybe it was when I graduated high school. And I Because when I left high school, I was like, I am done with all of you motherfuckers. I didn't want anything to do with any of them. Not because I was still getting bullied, but because... I always had delusions of grandeur in my head. Call it ambition, right? Call it aspirations. But when I was 17, 16, I was like, the only thing I want to do is play in the NBA. That's it. I don't want to do anything else. And obviously, when reality dials in, you understand that, ah, you probably should have paid attention uh, to other things because you're a 5'10 white kid from a small town in Canada And there's a million of you there's a million kids that look like you that are way more athletic than you and there's a million kids that don't look like you that are even more athletic than those kids you haven't got a chance in hell in a league that only takes 350 people so why are you putting all your eggs in one basket again i didn't have any guidance i didn't have any guidance i was being bullied at home by stepfathers i was You know, to be fair, the bullying that I received at the hand of my stepfather during high school, I should have probably fucking listened to him because he was the one that was constantly telling me, you're never going to be an NBA player. You're not good enough. And, uh, and you should quit now while you, uh, while you still can. (laughs) Maybe that was the realistic advice I should have listened to. But in, in all seriousness, you know, that guy was just a massive cunt and mentally ill. Uh, and he took his own shit out on children. So, um, so probably not the best influence to grow up with in high school. but never mind. Um, I just wish I would have focused on some of the other creative endeavors that I that I enjoyed when I was younger um, because I've only just started to rediscover them now after you know what is you know 10, 15 years of just wasting time trying to recover, I think, from some of this bullying, from some of this leftover garbage. And I guess all I'm saying is that, Bullying is not a single occurrence, even if it is a single occurrence. Because it could last with the person that it lands on for decades. And you don't know how it can manifest itself into other things. So what we need to do is we need to teach education. And I'm talking to parents, and I'm talking to teachers, and I'm talking to influencers, and I'm talking to anybody else that has an audience with with impressionable kids and teenagers. We need to teach awareness, what bullying is, what it looks like. Not every single form of snowflake culture would equate to bullying, in my opinion. But we need to teach what bullying looks like. So we can be aware of it and we can stay away from it. And then we need to teach resilience. How to deal with it. How it's generally not something that's got to do with you, but... but more times than not, it's got something to do with the person that's bullying you. It's their problem. You're walking through their, you know, wind tunnel of shit and you're just getting sprayed with it. And they can't even help themselves. It's, in, it's an impulse. It's compulsive to them. They're just trying to interact with the world. They're trying to interface interface with the with the world and they've been given the wrong software. That's what happened to me. I was given the wrong software to interface with the world and I had to figure it out on my own. So we need to teach awareness of what bullying looks like in a real way with solutions on how to deal with it and how to be resilient when faced with it. And then the realistic fact that if we do deal with it, It will not control us. It will not have a lasting impact on our lives. And we will be stronger as a consequence. But in in the spirit of anti-bullying week, I just thought, why not share some tales of woe? You know, I know kids that have killed themselves because of bullying. I know kids who have killed themselves because their family was going broke and they were going to have to lose, they were going to lose their house and, you know, and, and they wouldn't be able to live the lifestyle that, that they were currently used to. And, you know, that led them down a dark path because, you know, they were now going to be the divorce kid and their social group doesn't allow that, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be the subject of ridicule now. And rather than deal with that, they'd rather slit their wrists and sit in a bathtub. You don't know who you're talking to, you don't know what they're going through and you don't know what at point at what point they are are at in their tightening of the nerves right how many more pulls before that whole thing snaps so anti-bullying week should be about awareness fighting back and being resilient should be about education And it should be about confidence building. We need to build our kids up. Make them know that the things that are being put across to them as the way forward, as the norm. Spending eight hours a day on the computer. Constantly talking about people. Constantly talking about other people. They say it's the lowest form of communication is talking about other people. Right? Talking about ideas, number one, right? But when you get all the way down the spectrum and you're talking about other people, lowest form of conversation. And bullying doing that in a negative way. So that's the lowest form of communication. So let's teach them how to be resilient. Let's teach them how to be aware. Let's teach them coping mechanisms and how to deal with these things. And let's tell them this is just a blip. And soon it'll be over and you'll be way past this. What happens to you in these three, four years does not define you. But it can confine you if you allow it to control you. So don't do that. And better yet, don't be a fucking bully. And if you're an adult and you're still a bully, well then you are about the biggest piece of shit that I know or that I can think of. Because anybody that's still bullying other people as an adult is about the lowest of the low, and I wonder what kind of troubles and pain you're going through. But if that's you, and you need somebody to talk to, give me a shout. Give me a shout. Better yet, go to the gym. Try to blow off some steam. See how you feel after a good workout and a healthy meal. But that's all I wanted to say, guys. 40 minutes. I didn't need, didn't need much time. I just wanted to dig in a little bit. Um, so we're going to leave it there, and that's going to be my bullying episode. For anti-bullying week a little bit of personal insight a little bit of thoughts on you know on my feelings around it and uh and yeah that's it so if you know anybody that's being bullied go up and lend a hand go ask them if they're okay go tell them about perspective and how this doesn't mean everything and if they can just deal with it ignore it or avoid it it will be gone soon and if there's somebody that you know that's out there actively bullying or they, you know that they're a personality that does that, take them aside. Have a chat with them. Have a real chat with them about real life and how bullying works when you're in the real world. There's no payoff. This is no investment strategy in life. It's not worth it. And ultimately, all it means and all it shows people is there's something wrong with you. So let's talk about that. That would be my advice if you know anybody that does this to kids and does this to other people. Kids and adults, man. Same thing. Everybody needs a hug sometime. Everybody needs somebody to talk to. Maybe it's just worth asking. So on that note, we're going to leave it there. It's episode 114. I can't believe it. It's anti-bullying week. And we just did a whole episode on bullying. I didn't go as deep as I wanted to on some things. And I could have, you know, probably gone deeper on, on some other things. But uh, but never mind. Let's leave it there. So that's me, man. I'm you know, I'm just gonna keep doing this thing. I'm gonna really try to get two episodes out this week. Cause I'd like to do like a fun one as well. Um, I've got some subjects in mind that I want to talk about as well, kind of going forward. But we'll uh, we'll see how it all goes. And uh, and that's it. So my name's Daryl. Get us on iTunes. Get us on SoundCloud. Get us on Spotify. Tell your friends, guys. Share the episode. Give us some love. Rate review helps people find us, helps us grow. And that's all we're doing this for. We just want as many ears plugged into us as possible. So tell your friends, keep listening, subscribe, download. We're on Twitter as well at um, Quiet Part Loud, so you can get us there. Um, so hit us up, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. But if we don't, we'll be back next week to do it all over again. So until next time, guys, all the best.